Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 84th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week, we have Mike Van Heis, General Manager for the Boise Hawks. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, everybody. There's 83 other amazing episodes with so many different people with different backgrounds and different stories uh there's something for everyone back there so go back and check that out um if you want a shout out the easiest way to do that is to drop a rating and comment on apple Podcasts. that really helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the tarp crew in fact we did get a comment in a rating this past week. So let me pull that up here. This is from Vasky77. And here's his comment. This is one of the best podcasts out there if you're looking for an inside look at minor league baseball. No episode is the same and it covers all aspects jobs, and info surrounding the industry. Always entertaining as well. Definitely worth a subscribe. Thank you so much, Vasky77. Again, that's the easiest way to shout out, to get a shout out on the Pulling Tart podcast. I actually want to shout out one of our former guests, uh, and that's Chip Wadowitz. I just got back yesterday from going to his wedding in Pennsylvania. It was beautiful. Congratulations to Chip and his bride. Um, you can go back and listen to his episode. It was he was on there with Joe Delucia. It was one of the first, uh, you know, handful of episodes or so. It's been a little bit. Of, it's been a little while now, but in case you missed it, I finally decided to make a designated Twitter account for the podcast. So go ahead and follow that at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tart Podcast and reach out about coming on as a guest as well. That's where businesses can reach out um, if they want to become sponsors. Hint, hint. Uh, And as always, you can follow me on Twitter on my personal account, and that's at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. With that being said, let's chat with Mike Van Ice, general manager for the Boise Hawks. Mike, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Super glad to have you on. Um, we've never had a guest from Idaho before, so what's life like? <laughs> what's life like in Idaho? Well, it just switched over to cold. Um, we get 
you know, a lot of people think Idaho, they think super cold because a lot of the pictures that people see are snow covered mountains and all those good things. But, uh, in the summertime, it's, it's actually pretty hot. Uh, okay. so we've had uh, a lot of hundred degree days, but I think, um, I played golf on Saturday or I played golf just a couple of days ago. Uh, that was probably the coldest, um, I'll play unless it warms up. It was 40 when we got out there and then mm-hmm. it rolled up to 60. So, uh, but yeah, I think someone turned the, someone turned the winter on here. Uh, a little too soon. The late, the, the fall, a little earlier than I really anticipated. So there's yeah. really not much to choose from for my dough. So it's kind <laughs> of, uh, you can cross off another state for yourself. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, so this past season, I guess, was your first season as indie ball. Um, so what was that process like of going from an affiliated team with the Colorado Rockies to an independent team? Yeah. So last year was my 17th year in baseball. Um, and last year was the first year where, like you mentioned, I had the independent ranks and, you know, it was kind of unique as I was describing it to people as we were doing it, we we're kind of building the, building the plane as we're flying it, not only on the individual team level, right. you know, what we do on a day to day basis really didn't change that much. It's still marketing. It's still, you know, brand awareness, ticket sales, sponsorship sales, food and beverage. Um, and so on the surface, everything looked the same, but there was, you know, massive components that, uh, I never really knew about and, and ownership never knew about. We were kind of just, you know, like I said, building it. We needed a relationship with a, with a medical partner to take care of players when it comes to trainers. Yeah. I had to hire a coach, uh, had to hire a manager. Um, we got lucky in getting big Gary Van Toll, who was uh, Boise State's uh, D1 baseball coach. Okay. So we cut the program in, in July, uh, July of uh, 19, or July of 20. And so it was just that, it fell right in our laps in December of 20. Why not we wow. why not offer it to Gary? Yeah. Um, like I tell Gary, there was only one phone call to make. It was Gary Van Toll. <laughs> we didn't have a second phone call, so there's a good chance you would have been talking to the manager of the Boise Hawks um, <laughs> because we didn't have a plan B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, medical and workers' comp and paying players and finding players, all that stuff never really had to worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, they showed up on a plane in June here or they showed up on a plane – in Philly, back in uh, or uh, or Atlanta, um, in April when I was with the Green Jackets with the with the Blue Claws, and they just kind of hey, here's your guys, You're right? Like, okay, cool. You're checking them off a list, and now we're you know sitting down with Gary, and I t- like I told Gary, hey, don't ask me who's good, who's bad when it comes to players. That's your job. They're the expert. You forgot more about baseball than I ever will know, <laughs> right? Um, and so uh, it wasn't you know checking a name off a list. It was. Hey, we need a lefty starter, and, he's, and we're out there looking for lefty starters or shortstops wow. or first baseman. It was kind of a, it's kind of fun and unique to see that side of it, but also, um, you know, kind of pulling your hair out from on a day to day basis as you try to, you know, I don't know anything, right? And Gary knows everything, and we still had you know our our sponsorship goals and our ticket sales goals, and living in that world of what COVID could have been. Um, it was kind of the it was a, it was a wild ride. Mm-hmm. It was a, and we're excited to do it again. So, you you're talking about like you know scouting players, signing players, um, you know working with a salary cap. I'm assuming or a budget. Mm-hmm. And so like, whose lap did that fall into? Did you have to hire like um, a baseball ops person, or did that fall on your lap? Um, 
to a certain uh, fell extent. on my lap. Okay. Um, for for most of it, when we hired Gary in December, a lot of it fell on his lap, especially on the scouting side. Um, you know, doing contracts and and and, um, and a lot of the logistics uh, fell on my lap okay. with the work of Gary. Gary had a great staff. He brought in a great hitting coach um, and pitching coach, and we uh, he was able to retain um, a lot of the baseball infrastructure he's had for years. Um, was working with the Cubs and then with Boise State, and so we kind of got this whole baseball operations department, especially on the scouting side and the, and the analytics side, kind of a, as a as a one stop shop with Gary and his entire team coming in, okay, of, of three or four guys, and so that was that That's was nice. helpful a lot. Thankfully, I didn't have to go and you know look at film or anything like that. Um, Gary <laughs> kind of used all his connections through his 20, 30 years of baseball experience to wow. go find guys, relationships with coaches, relationship with college coaches. And we were able to put together a, a team that um, on the field was, was extremely successful uh, later in the year rather than earlier in the year. Okay. Um, and, we, you know, we almost won the championship. We took Ooh. it all the way to game three of three um, in the championships. So that was a fun, uh, that was a fun experience. Wow. It sounds, it does sound like a, like a whirlwind of an, of an experience though. Like, you know, just, going you know all in on something you've never had to experience before so it's not on the other side of it and and on the other side of it like the league the pioneer the pioneer baseball league existed it existed as a uh as an affiliated league yeah and you know everybody was going through the same thing uh one team sat out um the 2020 the 2021 season um so we took their spot and now you know we had to hire a president we had to hire a vice president a whole infrastructure in the league level uh, uh-huh. with our commissioner uh and the rules that came with that and the and uh you know you're talking about salary cap you're talking about how do you you know how do you pay these players when do you start when do you finish how many guys you allowed to have everything started completely brand new and so sure. i remember especially some of the earlier calls we're having conversations about you know what do we need to you know what are the things that we haven't addressed yet and there was a lot <laughs> yeah i can imagine goodness Man, and well, things were coming up during the season, and we're like, oh, okay, let's go and you know make sure we got to get this rule in place and get this rule in place, yeah, and things along those lines. And so it was, uh, it was fun as you know, you kind of not only were we starting, while the Boise Hogs have existed for thirty some odd years, we were starting a brand new team with a brand new structure, but also a brand new league with a brand new structure, and everybody yeah. kind of, you know, us being not not having any relationships with the Pioneer League, other teams. You know, we had to say basically do a lot of this on our own, yeah, um, and and kind of build those relationships throughout the entire season of just like the one on ones with the GM of Missoula and Grand mm-hmm. and, and Grand Junction. You know, when a lot of the, when all the other teams had worked with each other in years past, right? And we're coming in and saying, you know, how does the Pioneer League do hotels? How does the Pioneer yeah. League do busing and all that stuff? And so we we're kind of uh, new to the party. Yeah, that's. That's super interesting. How did how did the fans take that uh, transition from affiliated ball to Wood Bat League or indie ball? Most, most, I would say almost all of them. Uh, they saw a better product on the field. You know, when we were at the Rockies, um, especially when we were at the Rockies, which was the past six seasons, um, we were uh, we were miserable on the field. I mean, <laughs> bad. Bad, bad baseball. And the Rockies just yeah. didn't provide us with teams that were competitive on the field. We were a, uh, we were a, a, a doormat. I think the fan base um, was excited to see competitive baseball, winning baseball okay. on the field, and I think that trumped everything. That's you know, awesome. the, the vast majority of our fans, the mass, mass, uh, mass, uh, 
majority of the fan base of minor league baseball. It's about the promotions. It's about the experience sure. of the ballpark. Um, you know, we're the only outdoor sports uh, venue um, in the Treasure Valley, which is our entire CMA or MSA. Okay. And so, you know, our competition wasn't, you know, we weren't competing with another, you know, baseball team or football team or anything along those lines. We were competing with camping and competing with going outdoors. Yeah. Um, and so if people wanted to go out, especially being, you know, tucked in and not allowed to go to basketball games or hockey games um, right. or even football games here at the time, you know, when we were the first uh, professional sports team in the Valley to come back, um, people came back in, in record numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so, and, and so you're talking about how the teams were terrible the last couple of years with the Rockies. Um, I would like to think that there is a bright spot there because there's a guy that is from my hometown. I I know him, uh, and he played for the Boise Hawks a couple years ago. Kyle Datras. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. No. That's, that's the difference between independent yeah. and, and affiliated. Affiliated, you might know that you're un- independent. I know all these guys individually. One, because they sat in front of me and we signed contracts sure. together. We got to know each other. Affiliated, man, guys come in, guys come out. He may never see the Boise because went to Grand Junction where you said he came here. So, yeah. you know, on a day-to-day basis, they were always bringing guys up, bringing guys down, and would never tell us about it. So yeah. my job was at that point was just fan experience and – you know, sure. Whatever happens on the field happens on the field, and you know I could yell that and and, uh, and during those Rockies years because you know as your general manager, you're like <laughs> oh this team stinks. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do it. Yeah, I've been now, a, yep. like, now especially early in twenty one, they're like the team stinks, and I'm like well it's kind of my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been a, I've been a part of some pretty awful affiliated teams, so I I understand. <laughs> And you have no control. Yep. Like, yeah, it is what it is. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so I already missed the you know the second question. So we'll, we'll go back to that. What's the biggest difference from living in New Jersey, where you're from, and on the East Coast, uh-huh. from living in Idaho? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's really not that big of a difference. It's just the geography changes. Yeah. Um, I see now where I'm from in New Jersey is a little bit different. It's not Sopranos, Jersey. It's not right. Philly. It's not New York. It's kind of laid back beach town out by Lakewood. And it's called Tom's River. Yep. Um, it's a it's a little town, and uh, it's not even little anymore. It's a good sized town, but it's a beach town. Everybody's laid back, likes to enjoy themselves in the summertime. And then you come out here, and it's kind of just. It's like the same type of town. It's more of a city, but it's mountains. Okay. Um, people like to go out in the mountains. People like the, to uh, to hike and like to go camping. You know, the vast differences was when I went to New Jersey to Georgia and then Georgia to here. Okay. Um, yeah. The quick that that was the real culture shocks and everything. When I came, when I finally got here to Boise, I was like, it's kind of very similar to where I grew up. Um, I just don't have an ocean. I've got a river and I've got mountains. So you kind of interchange that, but. The, the difference, the wild differences between Georgia and, and New Jersey and Georgia and Idaho are, are stunning. Right. Um, <laughs> so what do you figure yourself to be now, a beach person or a mountains person? Uh, I am a beach person who can go in the mountains. All right. Um, I, went, I went, you know, during 2020, I had all this free time. I went camping for the first time since, like, Boy Scouts. Okay. I mean, like, real-life camping. Like, bought a tent. Had a Ooh. sleeping bag, was outside, 
Um, granted, we camp where the bears are, um, which is basically everywhere here. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, went fishing, you know, didn't, you know, didn't have a, there was a place uh, that we went to that we go pretty regularly called Stanley. Um, it has a population of 63 people. Okay. Um, it's beautiful. It's right, right outside the Sawtooth Mountains. But, you you know, one of the fascinating things that I never realized on the camping side of it, especially here in Idaho, is people just drive and then they park. And wherever they park is where you can camp. Oh. You know, New Jersey, like, here's your campgrounds. Right. Here's your bathroom. It's like, there was no bathroom. There was no, it was just like you parked the car by a stream or you parked the car out in the middle of a field and you just set up. So it was really, oh. really cool to kind of uh, have that, that real life camping experience. I actually enjoy now. Um, but when I go back home to New Jersey to visit my family, I can, you can absolutely find me in a launch chair okay. uh, uh, or a beach chair sitting on the beach for, you know, 10 hours yeah. doing crossword puzzles. There you go. Well, I'm uh, from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and um, we had to go up to Pennsylvania this, this past weekend for a f- actually one of my uh, old uh, co-workers weddings he's he's actually been a guest on this podcast but um so now i live in delaware like southern delaware near like near like rehoboth beach and and stuff like that um so my wife was getting car sick on the ride up (laughs) up and back from because we were we were up in the poconos and um she's those aren't even mountains out here i know she and she exaggerated hills yeah she was she was getting sick and um and she's like she's like how much longer like and then i was just like sorry we all can't grow up at the beach babe like you know this is this is where i'm from so and you you've been in the industry for a long time so so you get the other duties as assigned uh joke um so what is I'm actually the one doing the assigning now. That's the crazy part. That that is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. What is the most other duties as assigned moment in your career? Uh, let's see. Um, there's so many of them when you really think about other duties assigned. I'll tell you. I'll tell a story. I was in Lakewood, um, one of my first couple years, and now with the Lakewood staff, we had a sizable staff, uh, but I was one of the few that was actually like born and raised from the area right. so I kind of had the, the true lay of the land um, and we had Def Leppard Brian Adams that Ooh. concert group that came through I want to say it was like 06 or 07 okay. and they were doing a they were doing a tour and I got assigned to Def Leppard Ooh. Um, as as kind of their go get go get guy like, right. hey, go get this go get dinner go they, uh, they never really had any crazy requests except for they wanted I believe it was Thai food um, for dinner but I had the opportunity to, um, where they had their comp, their bus compound, take, drive them down to the stage and back. Mm-hmm. And so took them down to the stage, and then you're just supposed to turn around and come back. And they're just like, oh, no, come watch the, the concert backstage. So I kind of got to hang out and watch the concert backstage, and then uh, and then drove them back up. And I was like, guys, it's such a great show. Awesome. It was great. They're like, oh, come on into the bus. And like, into the bus. And like, that's other duties assigned. Like, you know, what do you, you go into the bus and party with Def Leppard? Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> it was Jeff Brown, it was the GM at the time. I'm sorry, Jeff, I'm going to take this opportunity. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of a story I've only told to, to some people because I still, even though Jeff can't yell at me anymore, um, he probably would take, try to take the opportunity to at least uh, suspend me or something like that. <laughs> but 
Uh, you can't do that. So that was that's my that's my favorite other duties assigned. Okay. There's, there's tens of thousands of things. You know, every day we're doing other duties assigned. For sure. Being the mascot, uh, and that's and that's even I was a mas- I was supposed to be the mascot in here's another other duties assigned story. Okay. Uh, when the Giants won the World Series in 2014, we were invited out to San Francisco when I was with the Green Jackets as yeah. an affiliate to participate in the. Um, in the championship parade. Yeah. And so our GM, Tom Denlinger, who's a good friend of mine, uh, me and him both flew out to San Francisco. We packed up the mascot suit. I said, I jumped in the mascot suit at that time. I had not been the mascot in years. Yeah. This was probably 12 years into my career. And I think I had grown out of that. And, uh, we get to San Francisco and we are up against the clock. Like the parade starts at noon and we had no time I mean, to get from Atlanta. We were going to Augusta, Atlanta, which is a three-hour drive. Yep. Atlanta to Dallas, and then Dallas to San Francisco, because that was the best route we could take to get us there. There okay. was a direct, but we would land at like two. Okay. Um, and so we're in the San Francisco airport. We're at the baggage claim at the oversized baggage, waiting for the mascot suit to come out out of its <laughs> big bag, and yeah. never shows up. Oh, man. And so we wait. And we wait, and then finally it's like quarter to 12. We've got a half an hour to get into the parade route. Um, and it's like, ah, what are we going to do? So we go to American Airlines, we tell them that it's missing. They're like, yeah, we don't know. It's scanned in. It's scanned in Atlanta, never scanned in Dallas, never scanned oh, in San Francisco. No. So we just go to the parade. And we get to the parade, and we get into We miss our trolley by like 10 minutes. So we walk essentially the entire parade route with ticker tape and confetti everywhere um with our luggage no mascot suit just two random guys uh with with really no (laughs) just trying to catch up to our to our trolley i eat it slip because it rained the night before and was kind of raining during with all the confetti and all the the ticker tape Mm. i eat it in front of what tom counted probably was about ten thousand people just like right in the middle (laughs) of the parade room just heels overhead right onto my back and just, you know, there's a video out there somewhere. I've never seen it. No one's ever seen it, but I'm sure someone caught that on video. Just this random guy in a green jacket shirt, just absolutely like on his ass because he slipped on the, um, he slipped on the parade route. Uh, needless to say, the mascot suit appears like five weeks later. We get a phone call from a, uh, uh, from his customer service rep in in Atlanta from American Airlines, like just <laughs> the phone rings. I pick it up and he goes, "Hey, you all a B?" Like, what? He's like, "Are you a B?" Like, yeah. We we have oh, we got a B costume. It fell off the belt in Atlanta and just sat like somewhere, and they found it. Wow. Um, and so we we got Augie back. Um, but the we you all a B was a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. I wish I. Had which I recorded which I... yeah <laughs> that's funny man so those are some other duties as a sign that's for sure um <laughs> what's the strangest thing that you've had to assist with during a game uh you know this year we had a really weird weekend um a friday saturday that no, was a thursday friday saturday thursday for the first time in my I think my entire career uh, we had a streaker, but he wasn't a streaker. 
Um, just someone who ran, ran on the, on the field, field during yeah. the Thirsty Thursday, chased the kid down. It was actually kind of fascinating because Memorial Stadium, the parking lot is fenced in. Okay. It's a pretty high fence. And so he hops, he, he gets on the field, goes from first to third, gets off the field, runs out the exit on the third base side, but then found out he was stuck in a fenced-in parking lot. <laughs> and so I walk out the home plate entrance gate, and I just waited for him because he had there was nowhere for him to go. Right. And he just walks over. I just sat him down, and I was messing with the kid. I was telling him we're calling the cops. I wasn't calling the cops. <laughs> I told him he was banned from the ballpark. His friends came over, started yelling at me. Had a couple people, had a couple people with me, calling everybody down. You know, it was trespass. All this, you know, having all this fun with it. Um, ended up letting the kid go, but uh, that was the first one I experienced. The next day, um, our mascot, uh, our mascot got punched in the face uh, at, on purpose okay. um, by someone who definitely wasn't supposed to be at the ball game. Um, oh. He. The, the nose is soft, and it, I guess the guy thought it was hard. At least that's what he told the cops. Uh, um, and he went to just punch the mascot and went right in and punched the kid right in the face. Jeez. Um, but we, uh, uh, we, we, he actually did get arrested. We did call the cops on that one because he was a minor. Okay. Um, and they pressed charges. Ends up it's a guy randomly from Texas that just happened to be at the game. Uh, got arrested. He actually got arrested a couple week, a couple days later, um, for a completely. Uh, irrelevant things we we're kind of following that along wow um and then uh and then sunday or saturday was an infamous um tarp pulled out you'll probably ask about later but okay that was a wild, that was a wild weekend so when you say like, what's the strangest thing ever done? that's been the the, the the wild weekend for sure goodness gracious year. yeah i can you can imagine goodness um so what's the best and worst promotion that you've been a part of so far in your career? Uh, you know, someone asked me this on a podcast not too long ago, and I completely blanked on worst. Uh, but then I sat down and really, really thought about it. So I knew this question was going to come up again. The best, I'll tell you what, hands down, Barna, WWE wrestlers and having them show up for appearances Ooh. are the best. Okay. They're, 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 they'll do anything you ask them to. You know, they, they, they hit so many different, especially some of the, the ones that they're even using these days, they hit so many different genres of, of the non-traditional baseball fan. Um, and they're just excited. They have a cool, really rabid fan base. So anytime we yeah. can bring a WWE wrestler, we had um, Sergeant Slaughter, Million Dollar Man here so far. Back in Lakewood, we were doing one a year. Uh, those guys were, are really great. Um, yeah. And, and an unlimited, really, supply of them. We talk about the legends of, of the sport. Um, Mr. Belding we had here a couple of years ago. I always say I've moved away from, um, or at least I've been trying to move away from the giveaways mm-hmm. um, as kind of a, um, as kind of how, where we, where we want to put our promotions and more into the experiential, you know, for sure. giveaways and, you know, bobbleheads work sometimes and, and, and trinkets like that work sometimes, but that's great for, you know, fan one through 1000. But what about that? thousand and fifth band that doesn't get the bobbleheads and you know and they wanted it you know it causes, right. it causes more issues than anything else right when we get to the experiential things of celebrity appearances firework shows and some of the other things that really hits all of our fans um that's where you really start to see your best bang for your buck and the and the best turnaround for um the, the best promotions you know mr belding from say by the bell i mean that's 
that's a that hit so many different generations. It's mm-hmm. still on simulcast now. Oh yeah, so people know who they are. It just came on um, Netflix not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's probably a second, probably another little jump up. Probably will have uh, with the Saved by the Bell characters, but the worst. Whew, I mean, we've done. Some, I've always I've always said I'll do anything almost once, but um, we had. I I I just talked about the experiential things. And we had two experiential things here in Boise um, a bunch of years ago. The first one was Little E, who was a um, who was a, a little uh, a little person um, Elvis impersonator. Okay. Who we thought would um, do karaoke, uh-huh. and he was just lip syncing, and he was a diva. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, just had a lot of like only had a lot of uh, requests, a lot of demands. And so uh, oh. that was one I would say, didn't re- and even the fans were like, he's not singing. And it's like the least you could have done was at least try to sing. Yeah. And then we tried we tried a drone show here because um, we saw it in Disney. Um, that was three, three years ago, three or four years ago, we did a drone show. So instead of a fireworks show, we did a drone show. And uh, it was 35 light-up drones, and they would make shapes in the skies, and it was all set to music. And I remember I was back behind the um, behind the outfield wall watching and uh, and observing. And right from like the first like second, I knew we were going to have a problem because oh, these drones uh-huh. went up and like two of them didn't go up. Uh-huh. And then they get up there and they go over the field and they just start smashing into each other. One takes off and it's like all GPS coordinated, so if it got to a certain point, it just died. So you saw one light up and it just went completely to the left. Like you could hear it, it was like, Zoom. okay. And it just went. <laughs> so I think like seven of them ended up crashing. Wow. Um, the fans loved it. I think it was more the funny side of it um, than anything else for the price tag. I wish it wasn't as funny as it was. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say drone shows would be on the bottom of my list. That was probably the worst promotion. I think. I can, ever, yeah, I can. We pumped it up so hard. Yeah, I'm sure. I can imagine it. It was probably pretty expensive to book. Um, man, that's a shame because it sounds really cool. Um, it, it and it was it was sponsored by our friends at Pepsi, and so it was a Pepsi logo at the end. But okay, like half of it was missing. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> the um, experiential type stuff uh, you were talking about. So my last couple years with Delmarva. We started going that route too. I mean, oh, the bobbleheads always hit, right? Like that's a mm-hmm. that's always going to be a hit. Um, I helped introduce uh, Star Wars Night um, to uh-huh. to Delmarva. They had never done one before, um, so I helped facilitate that. That ended up being a pretty pretty good promotion. Um, but so we had Mister Building, and then we had Squints from um, Sandlot. Yeah, from the Sandlot. Yeah. And, um, Squints did decently well. Like, it wasn't, like, a home run promotion, but Mr. Building, like, hardly drew out anybody. And it was, it was so disappointing. And I was like, did you guys not watch Saved by the Bell? Like, like, where's, where's, like, the, the 80s and 90s kids at? Like, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know why it, it flopped like that, but... Hey, it is what it is. Um, so, and as the general manager, um, I, I know you have a lot of interactions with fans. 
Um, but yeah. what's the weirdest interaction that you've had with a fan? It, um, you know, it wasn't so much of an interaction with a fan as it was, uh, we, we, at the end of the year, we do a survey. And so we sent the survey out to all of our ticket holders. And this was, uh, three years ago, two or three years ago. And so we send this ticket, we send the survey out to all of our ticket holders uh-huh. and, um, and that's individual tickets, people bought online, season ticket holders. And I get one back and really a lot of low scores and, you know, especially parking. And parking was a zero out of five. And she, mm. there was a spot to leave comments. And so I started reading the comments and it's like, this is ridiculous. You made me pay for parking. I can't believe this. We came at this time, this so-and-so time. And you said everywhere it says parking is free. And I'm like, parking is free. So I get our operations manager at the time. I get him down here to my office. And I mean, I'm berating. I am absolutely <laughs> like, you need to pull your, you need to pull your staff files. This is the game they came out to. Or, or I, I sent an email today. I was like, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. We don't charge for parking. Our parking is completely free. Which game did you come out to? I'm going to get down to the bottom of this. I'm going to get you your money back. I, how much were you charged? And all these questions. And during that, waiting for the response, I bring our operations and, and I'm just, just getting into it with him. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and I'm like, well, what, well, I'm going to get all the answers here. We're going to bring these people in. We're firing them on the spot. They're never allowed to come back. Um, I get a, a one sentence response from the fan and it just said, Oh, I'm sorry. This was for the wrong ballpark. She was, she went to a couple ballparks in the air, in the, uh, in the league, and um, <laughs> she went to Tri Cities, and which was which is probably our closest in the league at the time. Yeah, I think she played us in Tri City. I think she went to a game Boise in Boise, but then also went to a Boise Tri Cities game. Okay, yeah, and just answered all the questions like it was the Tri Cities experience. So I was like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. So now I got to pull our operations guy. I'm like, read this. I'm sorry. I you know, don't nobody's getting by this. Nobody. She's like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. That was actually. Wow. Uh, it was actually a different ballpark, not yours. Well, we can call Eric, the peanut guy, and <laughs> ask yeah, him. Give him my five dollars back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he probably would too. He's such a nice guy. He probably would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he's been a guest on this podcast too. So, all right. Um, I always like to ask um, the people that are involved in sales, which are which are most front office members. Um, there's not a whole lot of people that that get away with not doing some type of sales um, yeah. in the industry. So in your opinion, what's the number one secret to sales? You know, there's a, there's a lot of different answers you can go on this one. But, you know, when I talk to the sales staff or I talk to new sales staff, I always, you know, it, it, it kind of comes down to two really, really important factors. And it's, mm-hmm. it's skill and will. Mm-hmm. Um, skill, I can give you all the tools in the shed. I can train anybody to be a salesperson there are people out there that are just inner salespeople. doesn't matter doesn't need any training they can do the relationship building that people resonate with them um th- those are skills that can be acquired okay. that can be learned yeah will is something that can't be learned sure you, you gotta want to do it you gotta you gotta want to be able to get past you know when it's a when it's a dark dark day in the late january and there's a foot of snow on the ground, and you've got to call people to talk about sunny, sunny Boise Hawks games in right. May um, and June. 
that's that's where the that's where the will really drags through. You got to get yourself out of that mindset and into the mindset of what you're trying to do. And so, you know, that's the that's the thing I always talk about. I talk about skill. I say, listen, I'll give you every club. I use a golf metaphor because I golf a lot. I'm going to give you every club in your bag. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be successful by training you this, overcoming objections, all these other things, getting Mm -hmm. you the tools to be successful. But if you don't want to do it, if you don't have the will, then get out of this and go do something else. Because you're just, you know, will can't be be taught, only skill. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You, you, it's, to me to yeah i'm i'm good at um and i still work in sales so um this still resonates now but now i work in insurance so like now people are calling me for sales rather rather than me wait that can happen yeah yeah um (laughs) when you when you get out of baseball it can um but but you are right in the fact that so yeah, I'm I'm good at the relationship building. I have return customers, and this was in baseball and outside of baseball. Um, but but now, it's well anyway. It's it's all about like the 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 hunt basically. You know, like like it, it's and I always like even with like interns and stuff like that. I always I always talk to them like um, you know like they're single guys. Or 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 ladies yeah. or whatever, and like mm-hmm. you're you're on the prowl. You're you're single. Yeah. You're you're on the prowl. Like you gotta impress people. You got and it's and it's it's about like the 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 chase. Like you got you gotta mm-hmm. want the prize. Like you gotta you yeah. gotta hunt it down. Um. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I definitely identify with that for sure. Like like I always try to hunt down every single sale I can. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, no, that's the, that's the best way to go through it. Yeah. Um, it, is that is the hunt and having that, you know, it's exciting, you know, it's an exciting, uh, task to accomplish. The throw you know, the from, chase. Especially from start, from start to finish, you know, you know, that, and the sale doesn't ever be, the, the sale doesn't really start until the renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you've done your job when, and, and done it right. Yeah. So that's what, that's another thing that we tell our salespeople is like, you know, your job's not done until they sign the second time. Mm-hmm. That means that that means that the the um, the process and the product that you put in front of them worked enough for them to do it again. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's primary. I mean that once you get someone, you know, twice, you got them for life. Yep. The best the best is when they come back in for the second year and they upsell. That's that's <laughs> the best. Can't be greedy like that. I know. I know. Upsells are great. Yeah, for sure. When they uh, come back and they want more. That's that's when you know that you've done something right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I imagine you oversee some game day staff. Maybe maybe not a ton at this point since you're a general manager. But I'm sure you hear it from from your staff. What's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever uh, used to call out of work? Uh, their pet bird flew away. Oh. And they, and they had to go get their pet bird. How do you the, that, get a pet I, bird? I don't know. You just gotta like. I guess I don't know if it was a parrot or a parakeet. I think it was a parakeet. Okay. And they just went. They it, it got out the window, and at that point, I'm just, I I can't. And there's nothing I can do to help you. We'll we'll find someone to, to fill your position <laughs> and get it done. Uh, but I, I that one that one I remember someone calling someone calling me or relaying into saying. 
listen, I can't come in today. Is it okay? Uh, I have to, my bird flew away and I've got to go find it. I'm like, okay. All right. Cause when it's nighttime, you can't really find the bird. Inside. Yeah. I've never it's... heard that one before. That is, <laughs> wow. What's the weirdest that you've had? Oh man. Um, Well, so I had one, and this was like a repeat thing. So it was it was strange. I could never understand. Um, this person, this is the one that sticks out to me right now. This this person, he was a let's a political hire, if you will. Um, okay. So so like he he knew somebody who knew somebody in our front office and that's how he got the job. Um, and, but you could tell like he never wanted to really be there. Um, and yeah, exactly. (laughs) He was, he, he worked in the press box and he would call out. So he was, he was big into like the volunteer fire company, which is, which is all fine and dandy. Um, you know, they're, they're very important. I respect them a lot. Um, but they would host, um, like carnivals or they would have meetings or, or something. And he would call out last minute for them all the time. And I was like, wait a minute. So you, and and he was in college. So I know he, you know, he needed the money. I was like, so wait, yeah. you're, you're going to call out from someplace that is going to pay you to be here and watch baseball and you're going to go somewhere to volunteer. I I could never really understand that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So that was like a repeat thing. I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's any other. I'm gonna really have to think about this um, for the next time somebody asks me. Yeah, you did <laughs> unexpectedly, which is which is good. I I don't mind it at all. I'll try. To, hey, I'll, you're, you're you're in control. Of this you can always just cut this out too. <laughs> like, right. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but um, so we've we know some of the same people. Obviously, the industry is small. Um, so what was it like working with former Pulling Tart podcast guest Greg Jamborisi, um, who I've met plenty of times. Um, you know, when he traveled to Delmarva and then Craig Warsheka, um, you worked with both of them in Lakewood. So what was yeah. it like working with those cats? You know, I could talk, I could talk, a, I could talk for, we could have seven podcasts about Greg and I, Greg, you know, <laughs> Greg is one of my closest friends okay. in the industry. He's one of my confidants. You know, when, when I have questions, I always, you know, every year here we kind of rotate through radio guys, and really ever since I've left Lakewood, mm-hmm. um, I've always had like ro- radio broadcasters have been one year, and then they go on and move on to other things. And the first thing I always do when I sit down with them is I give them Greg's phone number, and Greg's been absolutely great when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I know that there's probably not a better person in the industry than Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a uh, he's a phenomenal mini golfer he's also yes. a fellow new england patriots fan like myself yep. and so we have a text string that goes on constantly throughout the year um uh craig i wish i could talk a lot a lot more about and we only worked together for one year yeah um but you know craig i've kept in contact with you know here and there i know he's down in bradenton mm-hmm. and um and i've been super excited uh to kind of watch his his development and his growth 
uh, at Bradenton. You know, he left Lakewood. I think it was as a, I want to say he was there as a summer intern. Yeah. Um, and so it was only like two months that we were together. And um, I wouldn't say we were super tight while we we're in the same, but then watching him as he's moved on, that's been great. But, um, you know, Craig, Craig, I, I, I talk to every now and again, and we'll bounce ideas off of each other, especially if I see things that they're doing down there. Um, yeah. And Greg, I worked with, you know, I worked with Jeej. He likes to think that he's G. That's the nickname. I worked with Greg for like eight years or six years, something like that. And then I came back to Lakewood a couple of years ago to visit and people calling him G. I was like, no, nah, it's G, G-E-E-G. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and Greg, you can go into the comments and you can tell whether this story is true or not. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly, uh, um, uh, claim that I'm the reason that Greg was hired full time. Oh, um, it was okay. at a one of our one of our staff members' um, uh, weddings when uh, the play-by-play announcer for the for the Blue Claws, um, who Brendan Burke, who's now with the Islanders oh, okay. on MSG, um, he wow. resigned, and uh, I turned to Jeff Brown, who was also at the wedding, and I said, "There's only one name you have, and it's Greg Giambrutti." Greg was an intern with us, and then he took off um, and went a couple other places. I think he would rather have um, been a, a track announcer at Monmouth Park um, or or Kentucky or the yeah. or Churchill Downs mm-hmm. than ever be. I think he would quit his job and figure out how to uh, how to do it and work for free. Uh, but I turned to Jeff Brown at the wedding and I said, "Jeff, there's only one person you hire. It's Greg Giambarese." Yeah, and just a couple weeks later, he was in there for his interview, and it was like it wasn't. It was a it was a no brainer hire, and that was years ago at this point. He's um, been there forever. Greg will say that's true or not, but um, I know I know in my heart of hearts that Greg owes all his success to me and me exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> well, so he has been there forever, and I think that he is. I mean, clearly, he's a staple of the late of the now. Um, what are they? What are they now? They're Jersey not, Shore. The Jersey Shore Blue Claws. I was gonna say that Lakewood, but they're not Lakewood anymore. So, um, but yeah, and, and you're right in the fact that most teams have to replace their broadcasters every year or two, um, where they don't have to worry about that um, yeah, at the Jersey he's Shore. Clock, he's a clocks in and clocks out. Yeah, um, and he does yeah, so much just, more than broadcasting too. It's it's yeah. incredible. And that, and that's and that's been that's a testament true to really the, the work that he does. I was in Lakewood for nine years, which is crazy to hear. Now I've almost I've been in Lakewood just as long. I was in Lakewood just as long as I've now been out of it. Okay. And I feel like that took up so much of my time um, in my career. Um, I started my career there as an intern and moved up. And I think I worked with Greg in '06, um, and then uh, I want to say it was '06 or '07, and he came back in '09. And so I mean, we worked together for almost four years. Awesome. Um, but with the you know the Patriots connection, everything we're constantly yeah. on, on text message strings, and you know they luckily, I mean in years past, I uh, would get the the Direct TV or the Patriots would be on national TV all the time. But now I'm out here in Idaho, and all I get is like 49ers games and Seahawks games and Broncos games. Yeah. And so him and and Dan um, Atchison, who was also one of our broadcasters with Greg, uh, another Patriots fan, they're constantly texting each other because they're still back on the East Coast. I think. Dan's actually in Boston or around Boston, okay. so they're watching the games. I only get tidbits of what I can see on um, on Red Zone. Yeah, and uh, and 
it's just it, thankfully because they've been miserable this year. I'm like, yeah. guys, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, yeah. oh, we got to, we got, we got to hold on this third down. I'm like, I watch right now. I'm watching the Titans in the red zone because they can't get the game. You could get a Sunday ticket. Yeah, that's. I don't know what, if I want it. <laughs> that's that's why um, that's why I use my my cousin's password for it. So. Oh, you just throw that in the chat, and I'll use that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so this is the pulling tarp podcast. You've been in the industry for a long time. You've pulled tarp a long time. I I mean, I mean, especially in, in Jersey and then you, Georgia, maybe not so much in Idaho. I don't, I don't know what the weather's like out Uh, there. I've been here seven years. We have pulled it four times. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I like it a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> so, what is your wildest tarp story? Um, it's funny that you asked me that question because as as short as the time as little times that we've pulled tarp here in Idaho, um, this past year I've had a 17 year flawless tarp pulling um, record. Uh, never fell. And I fell this year oh, um, man. for the first time, and for really the first time ever, a um, a tarp was a, a tarp full fall was caught on camera, and so the Pioneer League mm. asked us to install the camera system for player analytics, and so there was about ten cameras set up throughout the ballpark, and uh, it got, all gets fed into some AI, and it'll give you all the it's kind of like TrackMan, but a little bit different. And um, so we had an in-game tarp pool, which is very rare here. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was a fascinating. It was, it was a uh, was a a phenomenal call by me. Um, as I'm looking at the radar, I was on the first base side. Our tarp was on the third base side. I pull up the radar. Um, I was actually in a conversation with Boise State's athletic director, new athletic director at the time, and we we're just we we're just chatting and BSing. And then I pull up the radar and I said, "There we are about to get walloped." And so I get on the radio, everybody in the tarp, I run from third base around the concourse to first base, or first base to third base, okay. get there, and just as soon as I get to the tarp, the first drop comes, and as soon as the out was made in the next play, I didn't even ask, I didn't even wait for the umpires. I hopped the fence, and we were putting the tarp on. Okay. Roll the tarp out, and I get caught in the middle. Mm. I'm the vice president of the team. I shouldn't be in the middle. <laughs> that was mistake number one. Yeah. And so... We start pulling this thing out, and it's torrential pouring. And I get to the pitcher's mound, and I trip on the rosin bat. Oh. And I eat it. And now there's not only that, there's now four cameras that all pointed at the pitcher's mound. So they have multiple views of me eating it. Mm. Um, one of our uh, interns, the player analytics intern that we had, pulls the video, gives it to another intern <laughs> who posts it on their Instagram. Oh, no. Barstool Broncos picks it up. Uh, and it has over like 15,000 views the next day. Uh, now, luckily, Big Barstool didn't pick it up. 
Um, but they put Let the Bodies Hit the Floor to it, and they all sat. Um, and I had fun with it. I told the staff that on the next day because I was actually tore up. My leg was all tore up. My arm was all tore up. I'm sure. Um, I was soaking wet. I was just. I was too excited um, about getting the the uh, the pull time right. Yeah. Didn't even think about anything else. Uh, but I remember. So they pulled the tarp over me also. Oh, so now man. I'm uh, tarps over me. They because you know we have we have shirts. I'm gonna get a shirt real quick. <laughs> Dry field over everything. Right? There you go. So these shirts yep. were made because it's a dry field over everything. Yeah. Keep pulling. Don't worry about me. I'm going to make it. And I remember <laughs> I got into the bottom of it and they kept pulling. And I so now I'm army crawling out. Yep. And I'm thinking two things. One, don't die. That was primary. Like, don't die and don't stop. Yeah. Just keep going. So crawl out. I get to that. Out, I get uh, out from under the tarp. In front of my entire team, not the staff, the baseball team. Uh, and they're like, hey, we're going to go get you. But we felt like you had it. And, uh, and yeah, so that was that was my um, my wild tarp story. Dry field over everything, shirts were out like a week later. Yeah. And that's what I told the staff. I said, guys, you did exactly what I told you. Because I told them, keep going, keep going, keep going. Dry field over everything. Wow. <laughs> you had a nice run there. I had a great run. 17 straight. I put it out on my Twitter. I put it out on my Instagram. It's in 17 straight years of flawless tarp pulls. Corners, yeah. middles, ends, yep. handles, no handles, raining, dry, you know, get dry humped in the morning, uh, from the, especially from the old Lakewood uh, groundskeeper who would make yep. a full tarp every night and then it wouldn't rain. Yep. Um, yep. 17 straight years, never fell down. And then it just went completely and utterly viral. Oh. And so I was like, 17 straight years, dry field over everything, guys. Great job. You hate to see it. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a worse guy, is it? So. Oh, man. Well, uh, <laughs> has to happen to someone, I suppose. But, man. Um, so I was looking at your, your Twitter, and I saw you tweeted about the show Ted Lasso a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I just My finished uh, the season two finale last night. Okay, good. We can talk about it. All right. So, who who is your favorite character from Ted Lasso? Roy Kent. I think yes. I think that should be everybody's favorite character. Yes. I'm watching the the character development of Roy Kent, and, and from a from a footballer to a to an analyst guy, which I thought was as funny as yeah, um, that was and, great, and everything else. And as a coach, uh, when I really think about you know, that show, I, I'm excited to see what happened with with Roy Kent and I'm yeah. against, you know, uh, um, hashtag Nate's the worst. Yes. Um, Nate, Nate can, Nate can go, but, and then I saw on the, the, uh, the, uh, actor's Twitter, he like wrote this long, like post. It wasn't notes app, but it was kind of like notes app. Yeah. Explaining the character development of Nate, because I think he's getting so much hate right now. He is. He's like, no, no, sure. this is, this is good. This is good for the show. I I, mean, I, I kind of started to see it coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm rewatching season two right now. Okay. Um, just because listening, you know, reading the things that he wrote, and you're like, it was a slow burn of this kind of switch over from this heel turn. Yeah. To use a wrestling term, and so I you never kind of really you kind of saw it, but it was like in little bits and pieces. 
and now you kind of now you get a second chance to really watch the whole thing over again. You can watch that whole like yeah. the whole arc of him turn into this like douche. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's incredible acting because like everybody loved him at the beginning, and now everybody mm-hmm. everybody hates his everybody guts. Hates him. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's the the best. Uh, that's kind of the, the one of the neat things about that show is to watch that kind of go right. You know, watch that story unfold. Yeah, I absolutely. I ordered myself a Roy Kent, Rit, the um, Richmond jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super excited for that to come. I'm really excited. I was uh, I was thinking about being Coach Beard for how long? Ooh, there you go. <laughs> that episode where it was just about Coach Beard was amazing. It was yeah. I mean, it, it was, was weird, it was but that, it was there was good. a couple episodes you really take a look at it. You know, you know, you gave, they gave us one, and then they did one for themselves. And I think Coach Beard was. Hey, we're giving one to the actors. They yeah. had fun doing that one. The same like the, the, how, the Christmas one too, where it's, it's like, you know, we gonna, are we going to talk about Ted Lasso at all? No, it's just all Coach Beard stuff. And it just kind of, yeah. it finished that one where they left the, what was the FA Cup, and then it just, he comes back into the office the next day. And it's just like that whole period is kind of, a, it's a neat little episode for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see where it goes, but yeah, I'm a, um, I have a I'm a film minor in in college, so wow. like I could I could write I could write papers on that show for forever. Um, and you know what's amazing, and a lot of people don't know this, is Ted Lasso was a commercial for NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Really, that's where the character came from. Okay, Jason Sudeikis was Ted Lasso, football coach that was going to now coach football because NBC picked up the Premier League coverage. I this was do like two remember years ago. that. Yeah. And they turned it into a show, but they didn't only turn it into a show. It's an really incredibly successful, powerful Seriously, show yeah. that actually like had, had meaning. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that it was just a stupid commercial. Like they did a commercial on the Kia Hamsters. Yeah, that is... I didn't realize it. Now that you say that, I do remember that commercial. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, go back. Like the, It wasn't in the plans. It was just, hey, we got Jason Sudeikis because I think he was doing an NBC show. Yeah. Premier League. We got the new Premier League coverage. They wanted to bust it out, so they created this Ted Lasso. And there were multiple commercials about it. And mm-hmm. then it just went, bang, show. Wow. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch it now that now that it's <laughs> over. But okay, you go back and like watch the commercials too, and like a lot of the things they say in like the first couple episodes are things that were coming right from the commercial. Okay, all right, <laughs> that's pretty cool. All right, that's awesome. Um, so, where can the listeners find you on social media, Mike? Uh, Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram, Mike Van Heis. No spaces, no dashes, or anything like that. Okay. Um, that's where I kind of spend most of my day on Twitter for sure. All right, awesome. And then uh, I know you've listened to you've at least listened to Greg's episode. I know you've listened to a couple episodes here and there. Um, during your minor league baseball career, what has been your favorite walk up song, and whose was it? I don't remember. I, there's two that stand out. One from this past year that um, it was. I believe it was Miles Harris was our was one of our catchers. And he's, it was uh, Let's Do It Again by Jay Boog. Yes, um, that's good. And it just had a great, just a great hook. And uh, so anytime he came up the bat, like I was singing the song with. Yeah. 
Uh, and then there was a, there was another fighter from I think three years ago here with the Rockies. I can't think of his head, his name up And I asked some people when I saw the question. Um, the song is called. It's a Spanish song. It's called Ven B E N. Um, and I don't have who it's saying, but it's just like Ven 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 Ven. It's like a very catchy song. Okay. It's like the ones that guy. Those are the two that I all the oh that I really think about on a daily basis okay i'll tell you a story about let's do it again by jay boog um so it was um it was it was our team in beloit i want to say it was the 2016 season and this team was absolutely terrible like just (laughs) like they lost over a hundred games, I'm pretty sure. Um, it was it was bad, and it was getting towards the end of the season. Nobody really wanted to play anymore, and we had this guy uh, on our team, Melvin Mercedes, and he is all of about five foot three, I would say. Really good infielder though, um, and he he was a a Bronx guy, but he was like originally from the Dominican, so like. Um, he was he was the bilingual guy in the clubhouse, yeah. and um, he he we won a game we won on a walk off, and he um, had somebody that was on the field like radio up to me and say, say like play play Jay Boo let's do it again and so I played it I was I was the PA guy and DJ and all mm-hmm. that um, and then so I went into the clubhouse and to drop off the box scores after the game and they're partying it up like they they hadn't won a game in like two weeks at this point <laughs> and um and he he stopped me and he's like he's like hey yo bob and i was like i was like i was like hey melvin what's up and he goes he goes you gotta play that song after every time we win and he's he's like because like he's he's like because because you know like you know, we just want to keep on doing it again, doing it again. And, uh-huh. and, um, so sure enough, that was their new win song that I played at, and they went, they went on a five game win streak after that. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it must work. be the song, <laughs> but all right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the pulling tart podcast. You're still at the office. Um, so we really appreciate you staying, staying a little bit late in the off season for us. No worries. Um, so really appreciate it and, uh, let's stay in touch. Okay. Absolutely. Bobby. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's do it again. How we did it on a one night stand. Girl, I want to be more than a friend. Do you? Nice to nice to know you. Let's do it again. We did it on a one night stand Girl, I wanna be more than a friend Do ya? It was like sports for all of my senses Our time priceless, no expenses Like water to all them dry trenches She had a theme song for her every entrance We had a dinner and a movie Fire up the doobie Grace five put this girl school closer to me I call her babe, she call me boogie Her beauty intelligence really moves me You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.